From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB. It is the last day of the month, last day of the quarter to September the 30th. I'm Ingrid Willing. I am here with David Scott. We're going to talk the day that was. Markets closing weaker by about 2%. It was a rough day in the end. Uh, Scotty, how much do you think the presidential election debate played into that? Do you want my, oh, and, and g'day, Ingrid, but uh, do you want my honest assessment of how much I think the debate played into it? Always want your honest opinion. I think very little. Uh, I was just having a quick look at my, uh, my terminal out there and uh, go and have a look at what Chinese equities are doing. Now, on a day where Chinese markets are going to go and close up for the Golden Week holidays, they have gone from having big gains just when the US futures were at their session highs, which just mm. happened to go inside after the debate, and uh, they're now getting hit pretty hard. So I wonder whether potentially more localised factors might be having to play as well as the end of the quarter. Just delving in, though, to what we've been watching with that debate today, it certainly did play into at least investor psyche. A lot of uncertainty coming from it. We know how much investors hate uncertainty. And just given some of the commentary that Trump made in the debate about how long it may take to count all the votes, the mail-in ballots, you know, it could be months, he said, before we get a result on that election, that would hurt markets. It would, but did you really not know that beforehand? I, I, I get the impression that markets are almost moving to price any contested result. Uh, I think when you look at what's been happening, Trump's made the, uh, the comment similarly uh, in the past, uh, maybe not, uh, not as, uh, as forcefully as on this occasion, but uh, I, I didn't really learn too much in the debate in terms of, uh, of what the mechanics are, will likely happen on election day and beyond. Uh, I still think it's going to be a really tight result, but no, I'll be very surprised if the markets weren't already pricing that in prior to today's mm. debate. I mean, it was described um, by CNN host Jake Tapper as a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. I mean, it certainly was messy to watch. There was a lot of squabbling, um, you know, described in, in multiple different ways as being really a loss for the American people. Um, I guess the question here is just how it impacts markets. And as you said, probably nothing new to what we what we already knew. But certainly we are expecting volatility going forward in markets ahead of this election. We're just, you know, under, well, around 30 days until the election takes place. You can't imagine markets won't be volatile in the lead up. Oh, that will entirely agree on. It's going to be volatile one way or another. And uh, no throw into the mix. We've still got to know a whole bunch of uh, phase three trials of the vaccine uh, that are underway. I think nine are still in the other phase three uh, stages. So we'll mm. get some news about that as well to go and put into the mix. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, the one, just going back to the debate, the one big takeaway for me is that there are so many intelligent and great people in the United States. And I mm. keep coming back to the fact that these are the two best people that have been put up to go and represent their country on the, on the international stage. Uh, no, each their own. But uh, I just, I, I struggle to see how I know there's not, uh, not better people out there. But I think people would have said that four years ago as well. Potentially, but uh, no, it's all, it all seems to be much of the same, I've got to say. But uh, yeah, there's, uh, yeah maybe uh, the smart people don't want to get involved with politics. Who knows? <laughs> Scotty, I'm going to go to your view today because it's a bit more positive. In fact, you're pretty bullish. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about your view. I mean, why are you so bullish? You're Team Australia at the moment. Yeah, so I'll put the caveat straight at the bat. Uh, I know that Australia is a small open economy, so we can't completely withstand what happens around the world. But mm. uh, look... Look what's going on with the virus here. Health outcomes, we've got our fiscal situation sorted. No, at least from a support package perspective for households and workers. I know people would like to go and see more. Let's see what's in the budget next week. Uh, but all in all, we're faring much better 
than other parts of the world, particularly developed economies in the United States being one, Europe being another. No, we're coming into our summer. I'm feeling pretty confident that we can go now and at least keep the virus at bay uh, and get the economy back moving again. Um, in contrast, I, unless it's like some kind of miraculous you know, speedy recovery when it comes to this, uh, this virus vaccine or at least a really effective treatment, uh, the Northern Hemisphere is entering a really dangerous period. You know, mm. they, we're already talking about you no know, lockdowns and shutdowns and the like. So when I go and look at that divergence, you know, the one thing from coming back from a currency background is that the key thing that's been driving currency market movements this year, uh, by and large, is sentiment. And beyond that, it's health outcomes and it's fiscal support. Now, Australia has two of those three at the moment sorted out, sentiment mm. we can't go and deal with. But to me, when you think about all the potential risks out there, Aussie equities, Aussie property, Aussie dollar, Aussie government bonds, look a pretty appealing place to go and park money for the time being. Mm. And I noticed that, uh, that Morgan Stanley's uh, Asian equity strategy team is sharing similar thoughts to me. So they're seeing that uh, from a regional perspective, uh, we're faring a lot better than others. So they've gone and put an, up, an overweight rating uh, on Australian equities. And I just think that I know short term, yes, there is plenty of challenges about it and we've definitely not gone and beaten this virus one, one way or another but we're doing far better than elsewhere in the world and that makes me feel a bit confident. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, even when you talk property here, and property's been an interesting space, I, you know, I often like to talk about it because it's just been pretty resilient in light of what we've been seeing mm -hmm. uh, around the globe. Obviously, interest rates play into that. Low interest rates play a huge role mm -hmm. in that. But we were talking with Arby Anger just a short time ago from Charter Hall's uh, Longwell REIT. He's pretty confident, as you'd imagine, he's from the property space, so he's going he's gonna to talk confidently about his own book. Um, but, you know, they're still making acquisitions, still seeing similar cap rates, even, you know, on the commercial side, on the office space side, which has largely been seen as the, the one part of the property sector that could take the biggest hit. It's holding up. And, you know, part of this is probably because, yes, COVID situations here at home are improving a bit. People are getting back to the office, but also you do get back to living like normal. I mean, people mm -hmm. craving normalcy. You see it in the Europe and the United States where people are living relatively normal lives, despite the fact that, the COVID cases are climbing. For the time being, they're living relatively yeah, normal. Until they're put into lockdown again. Exactly right. And that's what the big threat is right now. Mm. But uh, yeah, getting back to Avi, uh, I'm not surprised uh, in that uh, he's bullish commercial property. And he does uh, operate a, a weighted average length uh, lease agreement uh, no fund. So has very long leases, but it takes mm. time to go and turn things around. No one's going to convince me that uh, no, the office environment as it was pre-pandemic is ever going to go back to that in the future. I think that we're seeing too much now. The technology uh, flexibility in the workplace is going to mean that there's going to be less of a footprint when it comes to offices. I'm, no one will convince me that we need to have bigger offices for the same amount of people. That, to me, is not a commercial consideration. But do you really see people cutting their leases and, and just ending leases or reducing their rent going forward? I mean, it, it, there's got to be a lag period to that. I'm having... I talk to people uh, who work for very big organisations amongst the biggest in this country. And uh, they're telling me that uh, when it comes to uh, their tenancy agreements, they are at the peak now and they're planning to go and unwind. And I've heard that from a couple of mm. different places and I'm talking big, big corporates. So no one's convincing me that we're going back to I know, bigger offices with less people. That's, uh, that is not going to happen. We're talking about where to find value in the market today as well. I mean, we're always talking about where to find value, the small and mid cap space. Obviously, particularly attractive at the moment if you want big risks. I mean, big returns, but obviously bigger risks involved with that. Um, we spoke with 4D Medical a little earlier. 
Really interesting company, Andreas Forrest, um, the chief executive there. Um, basically, it's software that allows doctors to see for the first time what's happening inside their patients' lungs. Not a lot of competitive um, or competitors in this landscape, actually. MedTech, it's quite a popular space. I mean, they're in a pretty good position in that they listed just at the end of August or at the beginning of August, I should say, in a place that looks at lungs, which is obviously quite related to the current pandemic. And with the Robin Hood uh, army in, in full flight as well, so no doubt that probably would have yep, helped as well. but that listing was oversubscribed. No one got the allocation they wanted, and the stock's up 12% uh, on its announcement today with the Therapeutic Goods Administration approving uh, its software. So a quick approval, that's six months ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. That company one to watch, really interesting one. Um, and Andrew seems really switched on um, the company in a pretty good position going forward, particularly in the USA. It's also got um, FDA clearance there. And, and so the US and Australia, some key markets. Just one to watch, this med tech space, um, any sort of technology stock at the moment doing pretty well. Undoubtedly, there's uh, lots of, uh, lots of uh, buying you know, on hope and uh, what lies ahead. And undoubtedly, some of those will go and, uh, and come to fruition, become absolute game changers. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting watching everything's being sort of put in the same boat at the moment. Uh, everything's uh, no blue skies. Mm. We can just see who, uh, who rises to the, uh, to the top and who, uh, who doesn't last the other uh, ride. But uh, always plenty for us to go and discuss. So uh, one way or another, we'll, uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Let's take a look at the stock of the day. Um, this stock of the day today is Santos. Well, Carl Capolingua from Think Markets and Michael Wayne from Medallion had a bit to say to the, on this in the call today. Let's take a listen. It is, it is good news. Um, I would say, you know, uh, widely anticipated by the market. I don't think it was a major surprise, but they're a long way away from um, earning any money out of it. So we're, um, you know, it's sort of the first step in, in an ongoing um, process of them scoping out what the uh, project is going to look like. It's, um, you know, there's talk of 850 wells over 20 years. So it's, again, it's not something that will start to hit the Santos bottom line very quickly. So it's very um, phased development. Obviously, they're being very careful around uh, environmental concerns. Um, so it's something you want to, you know, timing is kind of everything there. And I don't think it's uh, the time just yet, but, right. you know, always looking out for signs when that time might come, but it's probably still a ways off with uh, with what's going on with the in energy markets at the moment. Um, it's been widely anticipated for some time this would eventually get through. I mean, it's been in the works for a number of years. This didn't yeah. just happen overnight. One of the criticisms of Santos has been they haven't been investing much into capital expenditure projects. So some mm. of their assets were getting a little bit long in the tooth. This yeah. could alleviate some of those fears and it's this sort of CapEx projects that they need to have in the pipeline to really start to to make the long-term outlook look a bit better for this company. They've done a good job to survive and now it's about sort of extracting the best growth profile that they possibly can. And I think this project will go some way to doing that. Oh, Although I don't so. think it changes everything immediately overnight. There's a long, long way to go oh. until this contributes meaningfully to that business. Is, is it on your buy list, Sandoz? No, look, I mean, we tend to steer clear of these energy companies because right. of the cyclical nature of the energy yeah. space. Carl Capolingua there uh, and Michael Wayne speaking on Santos and the energy space has been one that's been in the news a lot lately. But I've got to say... Both, both don't like it, so that's a, that's a hypothetical short in our, yeah. in our fund. Exactly. Okay, well, can we talk more about markets, though? Because this is something that we perhaps should give a bit more time to because the local market closed off about 2% in the end. Futures looking weaker for the night tonight in the United States. Yeah. Is this, I mean, is this the case now, do you think, up until the US election? We've got stimulus, limited impact from stimulus at the moment. I mean, we've obviously got a budget here at home next week, which is likely to be quite stimulatory. Mm -hmm. We've also got stimulus packages that could still be announced in the United States, a bit of a deadlock there. But 
I guess the question here is how much of an impact can stimulus have on markets going forward? I think fiscal can have a lot of an impact. I'm not sure about monetary side of things. Mm. So I think the Fed is basically, you know, trying to go and at least signal they're tapping the, uh, the mat when it comes to you know, the potential for further uh, stimulus from them. Uh, really comes down to, uh, I know, the Democrats and Republicans to go and resolve the differences. Uh, at the moment, uh, Dems have got 2.2 uh, on the table. Uh, Republicans are 1.4, 1.5 max. Uh, it's still a pretty wide gulf, whether they'll get there potentially. But uh, it would be nice to go and see that. I just suspect if, if we get, uh, you can see easily a scenario taking place that uh, if we don't get a fiscal package in the United States and we might get some, uh, a little bit more negative news when it comes to the virus front, you can see the potential for another leg lower in equities. Uh, we saw that bounce, but realistically, it was built upon a whole bunch of probes involving also the, uh, no, the political side of things, the debate, uh, mm. that there might be some, uh, some clear outcome there. We didn't get that. So interesting times ahead, but uh, undoubtedly spoos down 1% as we, are, as we go to worst. We'll see how Europe rolls in and uh, what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Well, got a bit of data out tomorrow, but let's sort of kick to the end of the week when we get payrolls, because that'll be the big one for the week, no doubt, to get an idea of how the US economy is tracking. Some of the data we've been seeing there has been a little better uh, than expected, seeing that recovery in full force. So we've got a bunch of US data out this week. Um, tomorrow night, obviously, we've got some of the jobless claims, but that payrolls number will be big. Yeah, it's, and look, it's really interesting. Official labor force data, not only in the United States, but around the world, has by and large easily you know, exceeded market expectations mm. for quite some time now. So that's uh, helped to go feed this uh, belief that we'll see a V-shaped recovery. But it's always easy to get the uh, no, some jobs back, but it's that last sort of 10, 15%, which is going to be the real struggle, I think. Uh, but interesting to see what happens there. You can see the downside risk with that particular report, but uh, who knows? Like, mm. we, we saw the consumer confidence figures come out of the United States last night, and they were, they were booming, but uh, the biggest increase in close to a decade. So it suggests that uh, no, the US economy, all things being equal, is still fair and okay yeah. at the moment. Well, we've got PMIs tomorrow as well, um, manufacturing PMIs, the CBA and the AI PMIs. So watching that closely, but we will be watching markets for the first day of the month to see if we can have a turnaround. Wall Street tonight will be key. So watching closely ahead of tomorrow. That is it for the COB for today. Thank you for joining us. We will see you tomorrow here on Ausbiz.